Welcome to the Joe Watt Podcast. I am Joe Vendramini from the Range Cattle Research and Education Center. And today our guest is Dr. Roger West. Dr. West, thanks for being with us. Sure thing. Uh, Dr. West, can you please tell us about your career and what you have been doing in the last years? Uh, I'm from originally from Polk County, Florida, a little place called Homeland. Uh, and came up here to the university and then went to Texas A&M and came back here on the faculty and was on the faculty for 30 years and uh, retired and now I'm full-time in the cattle business. And Dr. West, can you please also mention something because during your uh, faculty career you were also president of the Florida Cattlemen's Association. Can well, that was actually right after I retired that I was president, but I've been tried to be active in the Cattlemen's Association for a long time. Um, and your area of expertise has been uh, meat quality. Correct, meat science. Meat science. Uh, taught classes in various aspects of meat science and did research on quality and uh, tenderness of beef uh, over the 30 years. And you also had a, a company to do screening of uh, carcass or do some measurements well, on the field? Yeah, uh, ultrasound. Ultrasound. Uh, carcass characteristics. Uh, did that for purebred producers or mm -hmm. whoever wanted to do it. And also did the, uh, youth shows around the state and got carcass data for them that way. So. Okay. And, and Dr. West, um, you have been in this carcass measurements and meat quality for a long time. So what were the changes that you have seen to this last 30 years in the industry? Well, I think that the greatest thing or the best thing that's happened, we used to be real happy when we got 50% choice out of a group of cattle. Nowadays, we're talking about 85 and 90% choice in prime. Prime has gone from like 1% of the population. The last figure I shot, saw said 8%. So we've really, the industry has really worked hard to improve the quality of our beef that we're producing. And I think it's really helped us in uh, consumption of the product as well. So with this change in the carcass, do you think now they will probably create new standards? Because we are going up to the point that choice is not something unusual anymore, right? Well, that's a possibility. One of the things that uh, I read about nowadays is uh, maybe we'll just do away with select. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, just group all of the selects and standards together. Uh, and there's so few of them, it really won't make a difference. I okay. You know, we can still improve choice mm -hmm. by having more in the upper choice, mm -hmm. which would be for things like certified Angus beef. Mm -hmm. Or we could work very hard to get them into prime. Uh, that's sort of the trend I see coming. Mm -hmm. And... And I, I believe a lot of the, the carcass improvements that have been done has been through bulls, right? People go to, to a bull, say, when they wanted to get a bull, they will produce some animals with a better carcass. So, Yeah, that's true. I think uh, really the thing that's helped in, in years past, the only way we knew what kind of carcass that bull would produce was to breeding with some cows and feed the calves out and then slaughter them. Mm -hmm. 
And, that, you know, the bull was four years old before we knew. Nowadays, with ultrasound and with genetic markers, we can tell on young bulls whether they should be producing higher quality carcasses or not. Mm-hmm. And so by looking at that information at a bull sale, you can get an idea. And and when you go to a bull sale and, you know, you look at the catalog and, you know, a lot of people are in the area so they know what they're looking But a lot of people see that with a lot of numbers and they get confused, mm-hmm. right? So if you were targeting a better carcass, what, are, what do you think were the numbers that people really need to focus on? Well, I think uh, the marbling EPDs, and, and, you know, I don't think you need to worry so much about having real high numbers, but at least don't buy bulls that have negative numbers, because then you're going to take away from marbling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same with ribeye area. Uh, in a lot of these youth shows, I see a lot of these steers that have ribeyes that are too large. I think anything over about 15 square inches too large. Mm-hmm. You know, most of us can't eat a steak that big if you cut it an inch thick. Mm-hmm. And what happens when you start cutting it thinner than that is that people overcook them. So the, the tenderness and juiciness is not as good. So we have a choice. We can try to cut back on the size of those ribeyes. Now, part of it is related to carcass size, mm-hmm. because the bigger the carcass, the bigger the ribeye. And we, through the years, weight has been a real determinant of value. And so we've gotten them so big that we need to start considering how are we going to reduce the size of the ribeye. So I tell people any, any bull that's got over about 10 square inches is plenty. Mm-hmm. If it's over 15, I think it's a little too big. And when we present the ribeye data in proportion of the size of the animal, right? Mm-hmm. They have a, re- a ratio, right? Yeah. Do you think that is give you a better understanding of the size or it's... Well, in some ways, but what happens is uh, the smaller animal tends to have a higher ratio. So you have to be careful of what you're looking at. Um, I say just look at the, you know, the absolute values on ribeyes. Okay. Uh, and and would you have a, a different criteria if you're gonna retain your calves or if you're gonna sell your calves on the on how you look at their catalog? Well, you know, when you're gonna sell them, then you want weights, mm-hmm. bigger weights, realizing that the bigger the weight. The lower the back price is going to be, but uh, uh, I I personally don't think you should differentiate that mm-hmm. because our industry has succeeded by producing high quality beef. I can remember in the seventies, about every breed association came out with a lean product. Uh, you know that's what they were promoting except for the Angus people, and they came out with a fat product. Which one's still there? It's the one that's got the fat in it. Uh, All the others have pretty much gone by the wayside. Because the consumer wants something that's consistently good, particularly at the prices they're having to pay for it now. So, So I, you know, I think we as cattle producers 
need to concentrate on are we producing a good high quality product and when you see on on those balance between size and quality right you need to make decisions there do you think that those criteria are also really different between breeds well yeah they are mm -hmm. there's good ones in all breeds you just have to find them mm -hmm. uh, and there's bad ones in all breeds so you know what's happened in our industry is most people have gone to angus because of the certified angus beef program uh, if you drive down the road you see an awful lot of black cattle um, and part of that is related to the quality associated with that breed and mm -hmm. some of the other breeds have as good a quality as the black ones but uh, they haven't advertised quite as much so. yeah that, that, would, <laughs> that would be my next point so um, we do have uh, a lot of producers that keep their base cowherd like Brangus mm -hmm. uh, here with some indicos in it and then they go with a continental breed to try to increase the size right. But I, I think you touch on that point that sometimes you can go on a continental breed that will have a bigger size, but you can use those bulls that will have a better. Well, you know, with some of those continental breeds, you can select bulls that have positive for marbling uh, and use those. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I find the little smutty calves bring as much money as the black ones. Uh, just depends on what you're trying to do and and now translate it to your own cattle right and that's what you have worked in the last 30 years and try to promote and help the cattle so now translate to your own cattle herd what is your uh, criteria well, I decided a long time ago to have a, a, a terminal cross approach because I'm not don't have enough cattle to you know produce a lot of heifers and those kinds of things. So I sell all of my offspring, heifers and steers. Uh, and most of my, and I buy bred heifers from some Florida producers, which as you would expect are uh, Brangus type heifers. And then I breed them to Charlotte Bulls and Charlotte Cross Bulls. Mm -hmm. uh, this, just here recently, I bought some of the Baseliner Bulls from Chris Hardy. I'm excited to mm -hmm. breed them and see how they do. Uh, I've bred crossbred bulls, uh, Charlotte Angus crosses, and they work well for me. And uh, you think that the basic cowherd with English and Indicus and then a terminal sire continental, you think you're going to have that balance between size and and still have a, a quality? Well, yeah. the ones I've fed, mm -hmm. Have worked out very well. Okay. So, uh, the uh, from the standpoint of you know the carcass. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy with it. Just, you know, I'm excited to see how these baseline bulls do. And, and now with the return of few feedlots in Florida, do you think that having those feedlots and people finishing cattle in Florida, they'll probably bring us more information to make those decisions? Oh yeah, it makes it a lot easier to get that information. Uh, and the one, the feedlot here has been very willing to give you that information mm -hmm. um, rather than having to ship them out to 
Texas or Kansas or Oklahoma. Uh, that makes it, you know, a lot more convenient for a produce, cow-calf producer to get the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than just shipping them off. Right. Uh, yeah, and sell. Many times when you sell, you don't have any feedback, right? Yeah. Probably the buyer is happy, but you never heard about those. Well, you those. only hear if he's not happy. Exactly. Because he doesn't come back again. So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think in Florida, our producers have been very progressive in getting out there and trying to get information of the carcasses of the animals they're producing. And Dr. West, we are going here to the to the end of our interview, okay. so I would like to ask you three quick questions. Uh, the first one is, uh, you have been in Florida, it's from Polk County for a long time. If you have to select two forage species that you like, which one will be? Well, I think it's in our area here, you got to have bahia grass. Uh, I like Pensacola. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, it, uh, you know, you mistreat it and it still comes back. And then on top of that would be coastal. Um, I wish we could grow some of the things you guys have developed down in Alma, but it's too cold up here. It gets mm-hmm. cold weather, gets takes care of it. I see some of the research that they're trying some up in Mariana. To, it would be nice to have some of those grasses up here, the digit grasses, I guess. Yeah. And... Uh, on another question, we talk a little bit and explore those, but if, if you have to select two breeds that you would prefer, uh, which breeds would you? Well, I don't know if it means anything, Joe, but uh, probably Brangus and Charlotte. Okay. That is pretty much reflect your <laughs> what you are doing right yeah. now. Yeah, and if I didn't like those two. I'd probably be doing something different. Exactly, and, but I have seen that that evolves over time, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything else, so people keep trying yeah, new I've things tried. and find good. I've tried a lot. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. So and and Doctor West, when you were not working, and what are do you have any hobby or other things that you like to do in your spare time? And, well, I used to do a lot of quail hunting until the quail disappeared in Florida. And, uh, uh, over the last few years, some of the cattlemen in Florida and I have gone out to the west and went pheasant hunting, and I enjoy doing that. But primarily, I work. <laughs> you talk to my wife, that's what she'll tell you. <laughs> Even though I'm retired, I'm on the road, you know, doing something, particularly since my cattle are scattered around in the county. Okay. I enjoy doing that. Dr. West, I would like to thank you again for participating in the podcast. And I am Joe Vendramini. Joe what? <laughs>